you that Bears game last week? Yeah, hell of a game, hell of a game. Back is Cutler, second and 10 of the 20. Backs up, now throws. Left side, back shoulder fake. Jeffrey, touchdown! Touchdown, Bears! Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. A team that is known as... Cutler takes the snap, blitzes on, he's going to screen it left, caught at the 12, here's Lankford 15-20, Lankford 25-30, Lankford away at the 40, a block from Wilson at the 40 of the Rams, Lankford angling middle of the field, running away from the Rams to the 10-5, end zone, touchdown Bears! Bears Hour live with Lauren Cox and the draft doc, Philitoshin. With me, as always, are the superfans. I'm smarter than the average bear. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Bears Hour Live, a post-game here with Draft Dr. Phil. I'm Lauren Cox. Phil, it was quite a game we heard and saw just now as the Bears started out strong, but, you know, they just couldn't quite put it together for four quarters. What did you see in this one? What did you think? What are your initial impressions? Well, first, Lauren, before I get started on what was kind of ugly and a lot of fans know how fired up they are inside my tweet showcasing a huge play, probably turned the whole tides and momentum of the football game in one spot, non-challenged. Before we get into that, because I'm fired up about it, obviously, I got to talk about you and this coming to fruition and Bears Hour Live every week, guys. Me and Lauren have worked on numerous sites together, and finally what we dreamed about has come to fruition, getting the voice of the fan, the true energy of you people that follow and, and tweet out and support us, bringing one show together where we can interact live and get down and dirty. And that's what today is all about. And I'm fired up about that too. Kind of makes the pain of this loss a little bit less, Lauren, than it is because it's been a long wait to see this team unfold on the big stage. Live bullets are flying. And Lauren, that play, that turning point play, I'm watching the game, Lauren. I don't know what you were doing at your in you in Wisconsin, but I'm here in Connecticut watching the game, and I see the line judge number 22 walking in on a clear angle of this freaking spot, and he's walking in, giving it an extra six, seven inches to the right. I still, I still think it's going to be short, Lauren, and he spots the ball further on the spot when they pull out the chains. Clearly. There's undeniable evidence that this play was short of a first down. And before you fans want to flip out and freak out, yeah, refs don't turn tides of the game. Yeah, they don't. Big plays do. Momentum swings do. As a former football coach myself, I know there's a lot of blame to go around here in this game. But this play, in and above itself, Fox not challenging it, correct, you fans out there that were tweeting that out, is a mistake and an error. But if you look at the tape, he's he's asking his coaches, what is it? What is it? What is it? He's motioning his hands. He wants to know upstairs. The error is the coaches upstairs not telling him, just challenge it. Instead, later they challenged a stupid play. But the result ended up being what? A, a, a team ended up going down the field and scoring. It could have been kept to a field goal. And the momentum of the whole game and the energy of the football team deflates there, Lauren. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it just kind of seemed like when he threw that challenge flag uh, on the, the the reception down the sideline, it was just like, I mean, I mean, good on him for remembering he had the red flag in his pocket, <laughs> but geez, I, I mean, not only was there that third that, that third down catch on the sideline that was probably a no catch, but then you know after that after that one it's like okay. Fox was wanted to make sure he kept the timeout. Maybe it wasn't that big of a deal. Maybe the defense will make a stop. But then it's the it's the QB scramble or it's the QB sneak, and he's clearly short. It wasn't like a, a no huddle situation or anything like that. It wasn't like the the hot the, the late one where the Texans were like hurrying up and Fox just kind of threw it to stop the clock. I mean, this was a a QB sneak like any other. There was time for the people upstairs to look at the booth, and you know, part of me wonders, you know, how much do you blame John Fox for this? I mean, he can. He can look at the replay, but he doesn't get a great angle. I think on a play like that, he's kind of just listening into his headset. And, you know, if no one upstairs says challenge it, they said, ah, well, or if no, if no one said anything. I mean, I'd, I'd be really curious to know what, where the decision came from and where the communication was and if, if he was relying on somebody or if, or how much of it was his call because it just it, it was not good coaching. I mean, it was, it, you know, in the past we've seen, you know, Fox get conservative and stuff with play calling, and we've seen him make bad challenges like he did later in this game, but it just seems like on that play, you got to throw the flag. There's no there's no other choice. I mean, and it was, all, was it worse that he threw the flag later, that he at least, like, threw, he still threw away a timeout at some point? I mean, did, did, that, really, did that make it worse? Yeah, I think it did, ultimately, because this is a critical play. This is a critical moment in the game. Your defense had passion in that moment, and then ultimately... They, he doesn't throw the flag. Now, if you remember, they're calling a play. They've got, they have plenty of time to challenge this play. So I'm thinking the coaches up there really dropped the ball. No pun intended here. The reality is the referee. Sounds like I'm, I'm losing a little bit of philatotion here as he's having some Internet problems. As far as, as far as the rest of this goes, I mean, obviously there's an issue here with the way that the Bears are uh, running this this challenge system right now because they're not getting the call into Fox. I mean, obviously, there's a million things going on at the same time, and, and I know that he's got to be a guy that, you know, everything's going through his head, but somebody's got to be in his headset and has got to be telling him, you throw that challenge flag. I mean, it's one play, I get it, but but that's a play that eventually set the, te the Texans up to take a bigger lead, and it really helped swing the whole momentum of the game. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you can't point to one play that said, you know, the Bears lost on this play or anything because they didn't. I mean, the offensive line played poorly, and we'll get to that as soon as Phil is able to get back on here as we're having some technical difficulties on his end. And for those of you that know Phil Atoshin, he is notoriously uh, not not great with the technological side, but I think this is more an Internet connection for him than anything. And I, I appears we've completely lost Phil. But regardless, um, the offensive line plays bad. The receivers drop the ball. I mean... This play was was a big sort of a, a microcosm, really, of everything that seemed to go wrong for the Bears on this day. I mean, and it appears we do have Phil Atoshin back in the line after. Was that a quick power outage, Phil? Phil, can you hear me? I can hear you now. I'm okay. sorry. There you go. We're back. Okay. Now, first show technical difficulties. Would you say the power flashed in and out for you there? We had a little power outage here in Connecticut, I guess. I don't know what transpired. I was talking one minute, and then all of a sudden, I'm out like a blackout. So my computer was loading up. I'm now recording on my phone. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah. You uh, you dropped out like the Bears offensive line today, it sounds like. 
Well, you got to realize, guys, I apologize about that technical difficulty here, but uh, that whole play, let me bring it back to one play, the momentum, the feeling of the football team, and the Fox not supporting it. It really culminated in a change of momentum that's clear and evident. And there's a responsibility on the officials and the officials before we move on from that point. And and it's uh, it's unfortunate because you go home and you have to wait a whole nother week to get back at this. And there's a lot more to talk about. The offensive line, like you said, Lauren, let's jump into that. Sitting jumps in. Cody Whitehair is out there. They patched this thing together, and it certainly looked like a makeshift line. The worst player out there was Bobby Massey. As it unfolded, it's hard to hide what you saw from him, even in the final drive where you're trying to just score some points to to build on for next week. Massey looked like an absolute albatross out there on the right side. Yeah, I mean, you, you wanted to see more. I mean, when you look at this offensive line, you're looking at the debuts of a lot of new players at new at new positions on this offensive line, and you, you were kind of hoping that Massey, who had, who had played pretty much all the entire preseason, and he was the one newcomer that seemed to be sort of set and, and locked in at his position. And, you know, maybe Massey <laughs> isn't as reliable of, of a right tackle as, as we might have thought, but you would have hoped, at least at the minimum, that he would come in and, and be solid. I mean... He had a tough task with J.J. Watt quite a few times, lining up on, against him at the five-tech and even Whitney Merciless. But, man, he was just awful. I mean, Josh Sitton, who has been here for, what, five, six days, he stepped in. And at the same time, I mean, you, you need more from Bobby Massey. And, and this was not a debut that gives you any kind of encouragement. And even Charles Leno on the other side was, was a little bit disappointing. I think that interior was more solid. I mean, Cody Whitehair obviously had some first-game jitters. And outside of that, I mean... You have to you have to like what you saw from the interior, but those tackles need some work. Yeah, there's no question, Lauren. You look at the tackle situation, and they got embarrassed today. There's no other way to to disguise or sugarcoat this. You went into a football game where you we we all <laughs> thought in breaking this down that this was going to be a game where the the run game was going to be the definition of what was going to take place. Ultimately, we got to the point where. We saw what transpired in the passing game, having to go to passing game, having to, to use your quarterback to help you win a football game where you ultimately can't protect him. I mean, Jay Cutler took some shots today, and people that get on this guy on, on the football field, is it's incredible because you know, most quarterbacks, I don't know how many shots they could take that are in the chest plate like he did, and he's getting up trying to come back from it. it it was it was difficult to watch because you you hoped after all this time that you had been waiting to see this offense come out there and showcase a run game, a run first approach, an action game off of it and stand up to the test. And in that second quarter, really you felt like you were going good into the halftime because you felt like they were getting things under control and Jay Cutler and Alshon Jeffrey and then he hits slot Eddie Royal for a big touchdown. You felt good, like, all right, now they're putting, they're getting comfortable. They're getting in their comfort zone. But, I mean, Cody White here had some several bad snaps, like almost a, a snap over Jay Cutler's head. He had this poor center exchange on a couple runs. And then, of course, 
on that critical fourth down sneak call. Another questionable coaching decision on the road. I'm the guy that kicks field goals and scores points on the road. Go for it at home. Use your home crowd to your advantage. On the road, I feel like you just kick the field goal, you take the three points, and you continue to build on momentum. I, you know, I don't know how you felt about that, Lauren. I know we're going to open the lines for fans soon. I think there were several coaching errors in this game. There was a lot of poor play on the offensive line, and there was a lot of shots given to the quarterback on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, you know that that first down, that that first fourth quarter. The first fourth down QB sneak there with Cody Whitehair. I, at the time, I, I understood where Fox was coming from. I mean, your team is seemingly in control. Everyone's kind of clicking. It almost felt like, you know, the offensive line was struggling, but more or less the offense was looking like midseason form where Cutler's, Cutler's wheeling and dealing. The running backs aren't, aren't breaking off big gains or anything, but at least they were, they were serviceable. And, you know, you got you to gotta put some confidence in your rookie center. I mean, I understand... You know, you don't want to. You don't want to try and have him do too much, but at the same time, I, I guess he kind of had to pick to whether to be confident in his rookie center or his new kicker. And I think the confidence, if tr- trying to empower your center, can can do more for your team than than trying to empower your kicker. I mean, I understand you want the points, but if if that's a normal handoff and Cutler takes it and gets the one yard and gets the first down, I don't think anybody thinks twice of it. But I think it goes a long way in the mind of Whitehair that okay. Fox trusts me even on fourth down, even on a play where I'm right at the point of attack. He trusts me in this critical play to go forth and lead this team. And if and if he completes that and he does his job there, I, I think that helps Cody Whitehair's confidence moving forward. But and and I think it still helps that Fox put that confidence in him to try and produce on that play. And even though he didn't, it showed that you know Cody, we know that you're a rookie, but we trust you and we know that you're going to do great things in Chicago. And and it's, maybe it didn't all go together today, but Moving forward, we know that you're going to be successful, and we know that it starts with learning from a play like that where he started to move forward on his block before he finished snapping the ball, and you can see the ball hits himself in the butt before it gets to Cutler's hands, and that's why it goes down. I mean, that's such a good learning opportunity for Cody Whitehair, and I know you don't want to have to have learning opportunities in the regular season, but at the end of the day, you know, that wasn't a play that completely killed the game or killed the team. It was first quarter. It wasn't it wasn't like this this critical pivotal moment. I mean, the Bears had so many more opportunities that they just completely squandered in this game. That I think it was it was a decent time to go for it and and to try and put some faith in one of your young players. Well, absolutely. I mean, you learn from your mistakes. I agree with you, but clearly he didn't get the snap up, and the Jay Cutler narrative will be one told by many a meatball out there that it's on Jay, but ultimately technique is something you can't argue folks that's why i'm so adamant about the things and watching the tape and recognizing the true reality of what transpired the center moves forward attacks forward worrying about the reality of getting the first down what ended up happening is as lauren pointed out the ball hits him underneath the buttocks and Jay can't get that ball with his hands that are supposed to stay under the buttocks as he builds a wall and becomes big. He's supposed to stay down in his pads and get that snap, especially in those critical situations. You also saw a lot of Jay Cutler covering up some of these bad snaps, Lauren, on the zone plays where he's trying to get to the spot, trying to get to the uh, area of which 
where he can get the handoff in place, but he can't get there because there's kind of a misplaced snap. And, you know, those types of things, real quick, before we go on the defensive side of the ball and get into taking your calls here on Bears Hour Live every weekend after every Bears game, Monday nights, Sunday nights, whatever, a half hour after every show, me and Lauren Cox are going to break it down. We're going to invite you in soon. Before we go to defense, Lauren, I want to just talk about one thing that I saw clearly as a football coach. The first-round pick last year, Kevin White, looked lost. He looked scared. He looked like he wasn't ready to make plays out there. I We saw that in the preseason. Clearly, he was taken out of the game so quickly when he had so much to learn still and clearly it showed up today it reared its head another coaching mistake in my mind for either Dow Loggins or John Fox and company I felt like and I'm being critical here because I think it's important this is a guy that hasn't been playing football he wasn't a polished receiver coming out Lauren and then you throw him into the fire and now he's got to make plays on the grand stage here he didn't do it he looked lost out there he was responsible for that interception with Jay Cutler on a timing route. He's decided to sit down against zone. You can't do that on a timing route. It's called big ball player. You got to become the big ball guy on the out and use your body to ward off the defender. You saw the Texans do it all day. Uh, Mr. White decided to play his own game, freelanced, and there's an interception on the short crossing route, shallow cross. He allows his body and get tripped up. Now, take it, juke, and get a first down. Know where you are on the field. Just error after error with the young man. Your thoughts on Kevin White? Yeah, you know, I was surprised we haven't seen him take more steps from where he was at training camp. I mean, when I was down there, all we saw from Coach Curtis Johnson was trying to get him to, you know, attack the ball and come back to the ball and be more decisive, not only to get to the ball, but also with the ball in his hands. And that's what we saw him struggle with all game. I mean, obviously... Some of the drops, I'll, you know, you can account to first game and he's, he's jittery and he's excited to be out there and, you know, he's just focused on catching the ball and getting upfield and, and making a play for his offense rather than just making the catch and, and, and taking the yards. And, I mean, on that interception, it's the same kind of thing. He's got to go after that ball. He's got to want the ball. He can't just turn to wait for it. He's got to see his, you know, as soon as he makes that turn, he should see his quarterback's arm winding up and he should keep, I mean, even if he's, even if he hesitates as he starts to stop, it's like he wasn't looking at Jay. He just turned and was expecting that the ball was just going to come to him, and he wasn't he wasn't following through and mentally knowing where to put his eyes and, and where to expect it from the quarterback. And I mean, it, and Dan Dan Durkin pointed this out on Twitter, and I wanted to just go and verify it. And it, after that interception play, Kevin White didn't get another target until there were two minutes left in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was, so I mean he went the whole third quarter and and most of the second quarter and most of the fourth quarter without without getting a single target from Jay. And I, I don't know if it was necessarily intentional. I mean, you can you can speculate that maybe Jay didn't have as much confidence in him. But at the end of the day, Jay's only going to throw to who's open. And if, if, if White's not open or if they, he's not running routes that are past the sticks when the Bears are throwing, he might not look to route to, you know, he might not look to White if, if that's just not what's going to happen for the offense. But I do, I do think it says something that he didn't throw to him for much of the game following that interception. I think... I mean, they showed on the broadcast of Jay like pointing to White and pointing to the spot where he was supposed to be. There was definitely some real frustration there. And, and speaking of players being frustrated, it was really nice to see after one of Bobby Massey's terrible sacks, Kyle Long really got into his face. I don't mean to completely change subjects, but you know, those are two guys that are friends. And, and the big thing was that 
Long recruited him, and they were going to be best of buds on the right side, but Long was PO'd, and he was getting right in Massey's face, and he didn't care. You know, friendships kind of go out the window there, and it's like, it's if you're hurting the team, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to I'm gonna make sure it gets fixed. Yeah, well, I was pissed off at Massey, too. Uh, Lauren had the pleasure of hearing me live and direct while the game is on, even down to the final minutes. It was just an absolute atrocity of offensive line play. I mean, stay sound in your technique. If a guy's in an outside nine and you have help from the tight end, you're focused in on the help and where the player is. He still loses, even with help. That's impossible on the NFL level, level rather. But well, I don't want to get so freaking fired up with the offensive line because they really didn't come to play. I Granted, it was a mix match of offensive line and they need cohesion and several of the guys that we talked to on the daily dose this week said as much and they were right. I thought they'd be ready, but clearly the offensive line was not. Let's jump over to the defense, Lauren. What do you want to talk? Where do you want to start there? I think we got to start with the guy that seemed to be pretty much everywhere at all times. And that was Jarrell Freeman. Uh, yes. you know, unofficially in the NFL game book, they credited him with 17 tackles on the day. I wow. think he had 10 in the first half, nine solo, eight assisted. I mean, that guy was absolutely everywhere. And, and of course, you know who is number two in tackles, Danny Trevathan. And I think the improved played inside linebacker was evident. Even if, you know, they didn't, as, as a defense, they didn't do a great job of stopping the run. But, I mean, there were so many times when you've got linemen meeting Trevathan and Freeman at the second level, five yards off the line of scrimmage. And at that point, when they don't, when they're not able to flow towards the ball, there's only so much they can do. I mean, they did a good job of holding their lanes and holding their responsibilities, but you know they were much better in coverage. And and it was nice to see these guys absolutely flying to the ball. It seemed like whenever there was a completed pass anywhere near the middle of the field, there was never just one Bears defender bringing them down. I mean, I feel like that's why you saw so many assisted tackles for Freeman and, and Trevathan because they're just always flying to wherever the ball is. And, you know going to the whistle, making sure that they bring guys down. Because, I mean, there were a decent number of missed tackles across this defense, especially against the, the speedy Texans receivers. But it started with that improved play at linebacker, and I think those are sort of the baby steps of defensive improvement that you're starting to see. Yeah, I mean, you could see early on in this game, the Bears' defensive line was getting pushed around. And the old adage is you win the game at the point of attack, and clearly that was showcasing itself here they were having their way with the new improved defensive line front seven the expectations were bigger for me to see the kind of energy and effort that you were going to get out of the you know eddie goldman akeem hicks and mitch unrine mitch unrine had a miss back uh, a chance to force a punt situation the pass rush wasn't there today and we'll get into that but i gotta i'd be remiss if i didn't talk about Jarrell Freeman and, and and Danny Trevathan's presence being felt. Those guys were kind of the the glue that held this game together. Uh, really, Jarrell Freeman was ferocious. He was all over the place, hustling to the ball. He looked like a 4-5 or five guy out there making plays on the football and really showcasing, like you said, the improvement from the inside. And again, first game out, new player. There's a new defense. I'm not going to make up any excuses. You have four preseason games to get this shit right. You didn't do it. You need to go back to the drawing board and get 
on the tape and and take onus and take a look in the mirror at those guys up front because they didn't come ready to play. They were embarrassed. The line of scrimmage was a yard back, Lauren, and that's the whole story. Lamar Miller is hitting it up in there, and Danny Trevathan and the secondary are having to come up and make tackles. they got to get a better job done up inside there. Bullard, all of them need to play better. Cornelius Washington, every one of them did not come to play today, and I think that's the story of the defense today, aside from what we'll get into of the pass rush and the secondary. Yeah, you know, I think... Not only was it a defensive lineman dis- dis- disappointment, which I, I, part of me wonders, and completely off topic, I wonder if, if there's something up with Eddie Goldman, because it just kind of seems like even all preseason into now, he hasn't had quite the same explosiveness, and I wonder if he's got a nagging injury that's not being reported, but that, that's, that's a whole another debate. But I, I wonder if, if some of this, too, comes back to the outside linebackers. Not that they were getting completely blown out of the way, but it's up to those guys to at least occupy some blocks, and it seemed like there were quite a few times in... And I, Leonard Floyd was, was taken advantage of a few times, and I think even Willie Young and, and Lamar Houston, surprisingly, just weren't as effective against the run as, as we'd hope to see. And maybe the tackles of the Texans were, were playing a little better than I expected, but it just kind of seemed to me like no one up front was able to get this push in it. And it's not like this Houston Texans offensive line is this lockdown, solid group like the Dallas Cowboys or anything. I mean, this isn't a dominant offensive line by any means, and I thought... I, I I was disappointed, like you said, like you said about the Bears' defensive line not being able to win in the trenches, just because, you know, Akeem Hicks made a couple plays, but there was all this hype that he might have been able to do more, and and I thought he was solid. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't as explosive as I thought, and I thought he would have a little bit of a bigger day against a a, a, a Houston's offensive, a Texans offensive line that isn't just isn't a lot to write home about. And Eddie Goldman was kind of disappointing, and then of course Mitch Unrein with the missed sack and a couple of bad plays from him too. You would have liked to see Jonathan Bullard, and I would have been curious to see what Will Sutton would have done in a game like this had he been healthy. I, I wasn't expecting him to miss the game necessarily, but the Bears were a little thin there, and I wonder if some of these guys started to get a little bit tired because of the extra playing time that they had. Yeah, well, it's a given. It's hot, humid. They kept the dome closed. I think they had a plan. They put the blue jerseys on the Bears. You know, officiating is, as I said pregame, going to be your thorn in the side and it truly was today because there was quite a few holds especially on one Willie Young I mean if there's a guy that gets held more in the league and I watch a lot of tape he's up there with the top uh he had some terrible non-calls you know I thought Leonard Floyd for a rookie I mean I was shocked that they threw him right out there and I think that's purposefully done they put Leonard Floyd on the football field over Lamar Houston. I think that's a story to talk about. I thought he played okay, better than I expected. He had a half sack, but he showed great physicality and quickness. He did a rip swim, came and, and cleaned up the play. You want to see him finish. Him and Goldman shared that sack. He also he cut back and he was home and showed physicality at the point of attack and dropped him there. So, you saw something. He dropped in coverage, was able to get back deep. You know, you see on his first game. But that, to me, Lauren, was also a question. I wanted to see this guy in rush and in the game. It's your first game in a new defense. Your whole body of work is about to begin, and you put him out there. For me, that wouldn't have been the call. I mean, we saw what he was in the preseason. 
and, and, and I'm skipping over some of the plays where he just got absolutely throttled and pushed around, but that's going to be an expectation. Again, you put him out there. For me, I wouldn't have done that. Lamar Houston starting the game, get him in third downs, bring the young buck in and showcase what he does best and use him to do what he does best there, and they didn't do that. Yeah, you know, it kind of worked in Floyd's favor that the Texans seemed to forget how to establish the run, at least early on in this game, because they came out passing pretty good. I mean, the first hand up to Miller went for like seven, eight yards, but then after that, they kind of kept it out of his hands more or less because they, they wanted to get Brock Osweiler going, apparently, and that at least helped Floyd to get in more coverage and pass rushing situations where he felt more comfortable. And I think maybe, I mean, that worked out in the Bears' advantage because I think if they had... If the Texans had just come out and pounded the rock six plays in a row and Floyd keeps getting pushed off the line and, you know, maybe makes a couple plays here and there, but, it, you know, it was good for his confidence to be able to be out on those passing plays where he's a little bit more comfortable, do a little bit more. And, you know, we saw all the physical tools that we saw in college. You know, we saw the closing speed on that sack. We saw him pretty fluid in coverage, moving back and forth. And, you know, he's starting to learn how to use that length a little bit better against blockers. And I think, you know, it's a work in progress and it's just one game, but... There was certainly a lot to be encouraged about. And, you know, coming into this game, did you, if I had told you earlier this week that Leonard Floyd would be more encouraging than Kevin White, what, what would you have thought? I honestly would be honest with you and say no. I really, that's why I have to give credit to Leonard Floyd. He showed a physicality and toughness. He didn't look like he was overthinking. He was just playing the, the freaking game of football. And that's what you want to see from a football player Kevin White looks to be overthinking almost Devin Hester-ish if you will with that kind of process of going am I doing it right he clearly has the talent and the traits but the thinking is going on too much Lauren and that's not good yeah absolutely well we you and I we've we've talked long enough we want to get some outside perspectives now so if you're if you're listening in give us a call at 608 Four six seven five seven one seven, and we'll get you on. We're, we're only going to do one at a time here, so you know if, if you don't, if you're not the first person on, you, you might have to wait until we're done with that person. And, and we'll, what's we'll that number point. again? But six zero eight four six seven five seven one seven five seven one seven. Look at that. And you know, while we're waiting. Um, you know, like like you said about Floyd, it's just it it, it is encouraging, and, and maybe how about this? What's what's more encouraging? Floyd, what I guess what is what is stronger? How encouraging it was for Floyd, or how discouraging it was for White? I mean, where where does the spectrum fall for you? And was it more disappointing in White, or were you more encouraged by Floyd? I know that's kind of a, a backwards, uh, you know, an opposite direction <laughs> spectrum. But what what was more surprising with for you? How about that? More surprising for me was uh, Kevin White. He had a full season of mental reps to be prepared, to know in and out of this offense. He just was out there, and he didn't showcase the kind of awareness and presence that would put fear on a defense. He's playing small for a bigger receiver, and that's not what you wanted to see. Whereas you saw Jeffrey making some plays, going downfield, catching the ball, bringing it in, and making big plays. Obviously, Jeffrey had a huge drop in this game, another momentum play, Lauren, where he could have made an easy catch. It was a great throw by Cutler in the chest, and he dropped it. You know, typical Alshon Jeffrey stuff, as you said. 
and that killed a huge drive. The, the the errors and the mistakes are the story of this game. I know I want to put a lot of blame, and, and it should be, on the referees and that horrific spot that we talked about early in the show, but ultimately you got to make plays when they're there. Kevin White had his moments where he's just lost. Alshon Jeffrey, big drop, killing drives. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you got to execute. I mean, for for the first quarter of this game, it seemed like okay, the Bears are the Bears are going to do something. You know, the Bears are going to be right in this game. They're they're leading, they're in control, and it, they just couldn't do it for four quarters. And and that was kind of the story from last year. I think there are a few times when we had John Fox say that same kind of thing. You know, well, you know, we got to do it for four quarters, and we couldn't do it tonight. And it, usually, it came down to the the late in the game, kind of like this one where, you know. It, the defense just can't quite hold on anymore, and the offense just can't quite put it all together. And, you know, certainly it was an improvement from last year, but it, it still kind of followed the same kind of story with maybe just a little bit more to be encouraged about from here. I mean, wh- where do you feel this this sort of the, the momentum of this team is right now moving forward? I mean, you, you got to be disappointed for the loss, but is, is there a lot of positivity to build off of? Well... <sighs> There's a lot of positivity. I think you learn from your mistakes. You go back to the drawing board and recognize the cohesion and the cohesion that you need on the offensive line it wasn't there, and you need to move forward with that. The outrage and the letdown of a loss when with which you could have easily had a W with really goes on moving forward the whole team. You know, the coaches included. In fact, the challenges should have been made. They weren't. The appropriate play calls and and when you're on the road, the kicks should have been made and they weren't. So ultimately, there's a lot to take away from this game. And many could argue where the momentum went awry or where it stayed for the Chicago Bears in this game, Lauren. Yeah, it kind of seemed like there wasn't necessarily one big turning point. It, you know, you can't just say, oh, it was on this play that everything went out the window because it kind of seemed like, okay, the Bears, you know, they started to get some drives going and then, you know, then Bobby Massey breaks down and Whitney Merciless sacks Cutler. Then Charles Leno can't hold up his block on, against the run and, you know, the Bears are stuck with third and long. And, you know, it just kind of seemed like over and over again, you know, then Jacoby Glenn would make a nice play in coverage and it's like, okay, this defense might be starting to get some momentum back and then, you know, Will Fuller beats him deep on a big speedy run because he's just so hard to bring down. And that, that, that almost makes it, you know, it's, it's encouraging, but it also makes it more difficult in that, you know, you can't just point to one player and say, oh, well, Kevin White was bad, so that's why the offense stuck. Because it was, it was a really, it was a team failure on a lot of different levels. And it wasn't a total failure, but it was just like, it seemed like every player was taking turns being bad and it just then it never you know it was never the same guy two plays in a row it seemed like but it was always somebody and and that's the kind of thing that's hard to just clean up in one week because it feels like there's there's more of an issue there and it's it's about being more comfortable and it's about being fully prepared and it's about you know making sure that everyone is sound in their techniques and understanding the game plan and, and kind of you kind of just have to go back through and make sure and figure out you know what did go wrong for each individual player was it mental lapses or was it something in in the technique, or did the Texans throw something at them that they weren't prepared for? I mean, as as a coach, how do you how do you go about fixing something like this where it's not just it's not an easy to point out mistake? You really have to stay to your team that you know you got to go home and take a look in the mirror. Everybody has a hand and a responsibility in this loss, and you got to ask 
your coaching staff, what do we do well? What do we do well? You know, you got this new shiny object and Josh sitting in there. The offensive line was horrific today. Uh, Charles Leno and Bobby Massey on the edges didn't show up and didn't show out. Uh, you look at the running backs and, you know, the Jeremy Langford and the ground game and the things you were going to hang your hat on weren't able to pick up steam. And the play calling and the decision really ultimately to test your team and go for it on fourth down and you have the one thing that should be a given, like the old extra point, is the quarterback center exchange. So these issues could be cleaned up because they're technical ones, but ultimately the conservative game plan on defense, the missed tackles by the secondary, I thought overall the secondary, the safeties were playing physical football. They were coming up and laying some shots on defend on offensive receivers and running backs. However, you know, you had the Jacoby Glenn miss the kid actually played the ball really well today, but, he didn't tackle very well. We talked about that in the preseason. So do you put a liability out there in the tackling department? Uh, same thing with Tracy Porter makes a big pick. You didn't see that last year, although you did from Porter, probably the only one in the secondary. And, and ultimately, you want to see your team showcase improvements so you, when you go into next week, that those things that you've had struggles with are improved. The one thing you could thought you could hang your hat on was that defensive line in front seven. Now, two out of the three parts came to play. So really, ultimately, that defensive line really needs to step up this week. Same on the offensive line. It's really cliche, but it's truthful, Lauren, that you win and lose those games there. And today was a showcase. Granted, there was other things, drop balls, drives lost. And referees, uh, completely horrific calls. But ultimately, you want to be able to overcome those things, and they just couldn't. Yeah, you know, 20 minutes left in the show, and, and we're still open to taking any calls. If anybody wants to come in and join us, it's 608-467-5717. The, the number's on Twitter. It's in our bio here on Mixler. And certainly, uh, we're welcome, we welcome you to come on in and, and join the conversation. But we did get a question on Twitter. Uh, Chris Armstrong wanted us to address the secondary play. Uh, she thought we, they laid some wood with some solid coverage. I thought, and I, I wanted to get your take on that. I mean, there were a couple, a couple big hits there by, by uh, Jones-Corte coming down, and there were some nice pass breakups. But at the same time, you have a couple of times when Will Fuller's beating guys deep. There was that one that he dropped that was a beautiful ball that he just couldn't haul in, and then you know, a couple big plays in the end zone. It's, I, I thought Tracy Porter overall played well. I mean, he's not going to shut down DeAndre Hopkins on every play, but I thought he did about what you would expect from him, you know, give up some catches, but shut him down on some other plays, but he made some nice plays on the ball. I kind of give him a, a you know, the solid B that I would expect from Tracy Porter, but Glenn was, I guess, almost what you would expect from him too, just because he's young and being thrown in there. And I think he made mistakes. He made plenty of them, but as far as a former undrafted rookie free agent stepping in and starting week one against the Houston Texans, I mean, you can't ask for him to do a ton given that situation. And the same kind of thing with DeAndre Hall where, you know, tough task ahead of him, but, you know, he made some nice pass breakups and made some rookie mistakes, but that's kind of it's kind of what you would expect from these guys. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, Kyle Fuller is going to start the game apparently, but no, you know, Who's going to play? 
you saw them throwing Jacoby Glenn. That's why the depth chart in preseason is worthless because at points Jacoby Glenn was the last guy in the depth chart. He ends up starting. I thought he played okay. I thought he played the ball well. I think you hit it on the head. Uh, Harold Jones Corte seems to not be a guy who lacks confidence. He's throwing his body in there, going after tackles, and getting his oh, work. Phil, in. Looks like we're getting we're getting our first call here. Let me bring him on the line. Go ahead. Uh, hello, you're on Bears Hour Live. Uh, what's your name? What you got a Twitter handle? Where are you calling from? Hi, I'm uh, I'm Joe. I'm from uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania area. Uh, Joe. Actually, yes, my Twitter what's... my Twitter handle is uh, Chicago Bears. After further review. There you go, Joe. How you doing? What's going on? <laughs> you talk <laughs> to us, Joe. Could... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh. I thought I, I I thought there were just far too many mental lapses out there. Far too yeah. many. Um, the offensive the, the offensive line they look good at times, but just still inconsistent. Looks like looks like a line that really just got together this week. <laughs> well, that's what uh, it was, Joe. You're right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm seeing a lot of people say, "Oh my God, our offensive line is terrible. They suck." This. this. Uh, they just got together this week. You know, it's week one. I, well, I have a feeling that they're going to get better, but M- Massey, Massey's play really stuck out. Like, yeah. He was he, he, he was basically like a revolving door. Uh, Joe, you hit it on the head. I mean, you can't win football games with errors on the edges and try to come back passing the game, you know, passing the football. You can establish the run with a makeshift line lacking cohesiveness but when you get into pass pro and errors are made mentally as well as technically you're going to see poor play all around and I think you hit it on the head Bobby Massey was a standout to me as well as Lauren and you obviously an educated fan as not being able to step up when the Bears needed it most even in the final drive where that was meaningless but ultimately you want to be able to put everything on tape that you're going to be solid and Lauren pointed out Kyle Long getting in uh, Bobby Massey's grill because of the errors and 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 it's something that you gotta hope they can go back and take you know another step forward you know you know how I feel about Kyle oh yeah he should be playing right tackle and avoid this whole goddamn thing and then put Larson in a guard or whoever you're gonna put out put put cushion oh. at guard get rid of the situation in yeah. and of itself uh, uh, on the edge but if that key, if it keeps up if, if i mean if, if massey if massey keeps whiffing on his blocks if he basically keeps being a turnstile at right tackle uh, i mean i like kyle Long at guard but moving him to right tackle and putting larson at guard would be would be a, a huge upgrade to, at that point i figured for the game you know i, I what i was looking for was for the Bears to really establish the ground game, build the confidence in the O-line, start ground and pound, and then run the play action with Jay. Have Kevin White maybe run some basic routes, run a nine route, have Jay roll out, throw it deep, just chuck it, let him run. You know? <laughs> Make it, you know, just, but, I mean, Alshon was a beast. He got shut down in the second half because basically he was, you know, he, he, was, the, he was the go-to guy, but there were I didn't I, I just I didn't see things uh, I, I didn't see what I was what I was expecting or at least what I thought 
um, would have been good, especially when you have an offensive line that has only had one week together. I always feel that you get that ground game, you build the confidence, and you go from there. All right, Joe. Well, thanks a ton for calling in. You know, we're gonna we're gonna open up the lines for other people to call in. But you know, great talking with you about the offensive line. Hope you'll come back and listen next week too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks, guys. Joey. Talk to you next week. Bear down. Right. Bear down, Joe. Yeah, and, and you know, as as we wait for anyone else who wants to call in again, six zero eight four six seven five seven one seven. He did make a good point that this was an offensive line that was kind of just thrown together last minute, and they played like an offensive line that has never started a game together or even taken a preseason snap with this exact five-man lineup. And so with a guy like Bobby Massey, I understand giving him a, a little bit of a break here going up against a really strong Texans defensive line. And it looks like we got another caller come in here. I'll, I'll add him to the line right now. Actually, uh, false alarm there. Shane, I see, I see you calling in. Shane, gonna need you to call in one more time. It didn't, didn't quite connect there, but you know, I want to give Bobby Massey more than a week before I completely throw him out the window or anything like that. Because I really feel like, you know, when you put Bobby Massey in this game, he's, he's just gonna not, you know, you can't. You can't judge him too much on one game. With J.J. Watt going against him and with, with all of these Texans defensive linemen, I, I, I need to see more from Bobby Massey. Shane, Phil, what do you think? I absolutely think that Bobby Massey needs to take a look in the mirror because it's a goddamn shame that you're making that kind of money and, and little technical errors like this from a, a veteran. You, you saw him take a step forward in the Arizona Car- with the Arizona Cardinals. He took a giant step back when you're getting paid and counted on to do something for your new football club. And, and that, to me, is inexcusable. Shane, do we- Shane can you hear us? Can- yeah, I can hear Can you guys hear me okay? Yep, you're good. There is Shane on the phone. Oh, okay. We've got Shane Marsal at Wazram on Twitter with us. Shane... Uh, what, what did you see from Bobby Massey in this offensive line? First off, i got to start off. It's at Wazram. Why? Oh, I didn't know there was a pronunciation. You I'm sorry. Westerners say this, and this is my first time talking to experts, so I'm so excited. <laughs> 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 no, Bobby Massey was a complete disgrace out there. Half the time, I mean, at the snap, he still had his, still had his right hand down on his leg and uh, hadn't even popped up yet and the guys were by him I said hopefully you know it's not looking too good right now but he did he did struggle the beginning the first half of 2015 also but he's got a lot of work to do and like Lauren pointed out earlier I was happy to see Kaya Long kind of giving it to him on the sidelines and uh, I I haven't listened to the whole thing but uh, I saw Lauren retweet during the game there about Kaya Long Adam Schefter saying that he's playing with a torn labrum, so that's that's some pretty huge news also to keep in mind when we're reviewing this offensive line. Yeah, you know, I was I, I, I don't know how that wasn't a bigger story. I mean, Adam Schefter yeah. tweeted that before the game, and I don't remember yep. seeing it. I don't remember a Bears reporter even making a big deal out of it. I mean, was that just something we were have supposed we were supposed to have known, and Schefter was just kind of confirming that? Because I knew obviously we knew the labrum was an issue, but I. It was really surprising to me that it was completely torn. I mean, that's 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 huge. Well, you saw yeah. him on one play there, Shane. I don't know if you saw. He's on the ground and he's got his arm yeah. across his body. I've yeah. had 
my labrum torn and had to play with it. And I was from a receiver spot. So reaching up and catching a football, that's painful. Imagine engaging and having to fire out and extend your arms with physicality. You know, he is a true warrior, but clearly there was a few plays I saw Kyle Long not be Kyle Long that we know. So is this another Pernell McPhee type case, guys, where uh, he's playing injured when he should probably just call it a surgery and get back as soon as he can? Yeah, I guess we're gonna. I guess we're gonna find out. But like you said, Phil, I also have a, a labrum issue in my right shoulder, and it's. I mean, <laughs> there's mornings when I wake up and get out of bed. I I stare at my feet and try to figure out how I'm going to put a pair of socks on, let alone trying to fend off J.J. Watt and Vince Wilfork. And you got to give the guy a lot of you got to give the guy a lot of credit for going out there and putting forth the effort that he did with a with a major injury like that. And Phil, I know we we floated out the idea briefly that if Bobby Massey really tanks, potentially moving Kyle Long back to right tackle, and I'm I'm not familiar quite with which muscle group is the labrum, but do you think that's, that's a right. thing? It's the connection to your shoulder blade. From the lats or from the front? No, from the back, going back. So you're going to feel it like a knife in the back of your shoulder blade. But what I'm wondering is, is is that something that would affect him more if he were at right tackle, or is it pretty much about the same no matter where you are on the offensive line? I think it's going to be the same, honestly. If he's playing tackle, especially on the right side, he can... jab step and use that left hand as a guide which would help him if it's the right labrum we're all guessing here i'm guessing it's the right labrum yeah the way he is holding his arm i agree but yeah just to give you some more info on that lauren it's i mean even even laughing or coughing or like i said just bending over and putting on your socks it feels just like somebody's sticking a hot fork into your into your uh shoulder area and you can feel it now, with mine, I can feel it all the way up through into the front and into the back, like Phil said, on the shoulder blade when it when it bites me. I said, I can't, you know, I don't have all the uh, medical options at my disposal that, that Kyle Long docks on in the morning. Well, you know, you can dream. Yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly was a game, Shane. I mean, I tweeted out a vine that has gone viral now. We, you don't win and lose games with referees, people say. Right. I say in tight games, referees' decisions that can be fixed can help you win or lose games. The blame here, I want to get out in front of this, I believe goes on the staff above um, John Fox for not throwing in and telling him, you need to challenge this play because clearly he was asking upstairs and had plenty of time that play will haunt this game it'll haunt us for a week until we get to play again and it's a shame that and unfortunate that anything could happen on the next play if they go for it on fourth down or they kick a field goal and the guy gets it blocked it it was shameful that that play ended up doing what it did to the chicago bears and you know i know you guys had to go uh, online with us show real quick so i'm not sure if you guys seen any of the quotes from fox no pressure on those on those calls i've seen just a couple yeah, on twitter but i haven't seen that one yeah on the quarterback sneak uh why he didn't 
call it. He said more times than not, when it's a, a ball placement issue, you don't win it. And it, when it comes right down to it, Houston um, was more a quarterback sneak than Chicago was. So that that fire up the masses. And on the play on the sideline, why he called that, uh, why he challenged that play when everybody was questioning why he would do that, he said he used that just as an extra long timeout to uh, get the get the guys a, a longer breather. So, uh, again, I that's that. another wow. Wow. Huge, hugely questionable theory there by, uh, by our head coach. And that kind of sounds to me like he's taking the blame maybe away. You know, okay, well, not that he's saying, oh, I made a bad call, but more kind of saying that yeah. I'm not going to blame yeah. someone else. And you, do, you did see a lot of that in the postgame presser so far, Jay. You know, there's going to be that narrative out there, and you saw uh, David Haw and Mike Wilbon. Yeah, Wilbon's oh, tweet was the worst. Oh my god! In their god. infinite wisdom, trying to play that narrative again. But Jay got up there and he said, uh, "I'm going to I'm going to talk to Kevin. This is his first time out there, but he um, he said the ball left my hand, and that's on me. So that's that's just your leader taking a bullet for the rookie wide receiver that clearly." you know, was just playing backyard ball and didn't finish his route. So you got to give Jay some props there, but I'm sure you won't hear any of the national media, especially, or the Chicago media, um, frame it that way that Jay took a bullet for one of his players like he did, like he's done time and time again. Well, we've got about five minutes left in our show here before we have to, before we have to come off the air. Shane, it was a pleasure having you on. Hopefully we'll, we'll have you back on next week, of course. And, uh, a big thanks to uh, Joe who called in earlier. This Joe, right? Joe from Scum. at Chicago AFR. Yeah, and, and he's, I think he's got a Facebook page too, right? Yes, Chicago Bears does. After Review. Yeah. Yep. So definitely check out his stuff too. Phil, uh, with, with four minutes, 30 seconds left in this one, next week the Bears have the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, what, are you, what are you expecting from that game? We'll just touch on that briefly. I mean, obviously lesser opponent than Houston, and the Bears look solid for a quarter against Houston, so... Real quick, does that seem like a, a win in your eyes, at least early on here? Honestly, Lauren, any given Monday, Sunday, whatever, it, the Bears are far from polished. The expectations for me were more than what we saw today. Today was a cluster, you know what, of poor defensive line and offensive line play, rookie mistakes all around. Uh, even by our head coach and the coaching staff. And, and it's unfortunate because we waited all this time to see this football team come out prepared and with fire and passion. But it was evident that the Chicago Bears fell down to the narrative of what they are. And, and unfortunately, I don't know what they are right now. Where are they going to hang their hat? I know what I know. Ha- they have talent. I think they're on the same level of talent as the Houston Texans, but today they were out-coached, they were out-fought, and they were out-hustled, and of course the referees had a hand in this game, and no matter what anyone tries to tell you that has only played Madden or soccer in their life, <laughs> never, if you've never coached or played the game, and the referees are going against you, it really gets a mental state of letdown on a player and can take the wind out of their sails and, and it's you against the world so you're gonna have to use that as motivation going into philadelphia and play a rookie quarterback and let them know that you're that that first game 
he's in the back. Now we got to move forward, and and it's going to be interesting. I can't even predict what I'm going to see next week because I want to watch this tape. I'll be breaking it down all week at the bar room. Lauren, you're going to be breaking it down at Bears Wire, and and it should be wonderful. This was a great first show despite the technical difficulties. I apologize on my end. Next week, I expect more guys like Shane and Joe to call in, be brave, stand in the pocket, and deliver, and stop beating on Jay Cutler. <laughs> yeah, you know, two minutes left here. The one thing I'll, I'll leave listeners with is, you know, when you look for a loss, like a loss, and try and find a silver lining here. I mean, I, I saw right away that this afternoon that Keenan Allen in San Diego went down with a knee injury, probably a torn ACL, is the speculation. The Bears might have lost this game, but they came out of it with no major injuries. I mean, Glenn got beat beat up a little bit, and, uh, you know, obviously Kyle Long had the shoulder injury heading into it, and Jay took a few shots that you wouldn't like to see, but no one major went down with an injury, and that's that's a good thing. I mean, it was a dirty, or dirty, not dirty, but messy in that the Bears had to clean up a lot of stuff, but that's, that's a lot better off than having one of your star players go down with an injury like we saw so many times last year, so... Uh, with that, we're going to have to wrap it up here. It's been a great time here on Bears Hour Live. Thanks again to Shane and Joe for calling in. It was a lot of fun, and we'll be back a half hour after Monday Night Football next week. It'll be a late one for us, but it's fun. It's worth it, isn't it? It absolutely is a great time. It's finally come to fruition. Two guys that try to speak the truth, no matter what the narrative is, stepping in and bringing it live and opening it up to you. And next week, hopefully, we'll open it up sooner step in and come with everything you got peeps all right thanks everyone done Mm -hmm. it's only been an hour